Thank you for listening to Elohim Christian Church's podcast. We're a place where imperfect people worship and meet a perfect God. If this is your first time listening, we're located in Richmond Hill in Queens, New York City, and are led by pastors Carlos and Rebecca Medina. If you're looking for a place to worship and to know Jesus, we would love to meet you and see you in person. Find us online at www.elohimchurch.org so we can connect. And now, here's this week's message. So this morning, I'm, I'm excited to share with you uh, and present guest speaker. Uh, he is someone that many of you don't know, but back in the 80s first, uh, as a child, um, he was part of the children's ministry when we were La Iglesia Cristiana Damasco de South Oslo Park, and you guys are familiar with that, with that uh, name already. Um, and then um, he had a time in his life where he separated from the church, and then he came back to the Lord in the 90s, and, uh, and he just became, he just, uh, just had a radical conversion, and the Lord called him right from Halloween Christian Church. He went into the mission field, and he'll share a little bit of his story. He was in the mission field for many years. Uh, and and uh, then he went and he planted a church in Puerto Rico, pastored that church, and now he's in Springfield, Missouri, working at our at our uh, national offices. And we're we're honored that somebody who is birthed in this church, somebody who was a child here, a young person here today, is working at national offices. And for us, man, that is such a joy. Can you give the Lord a hand clap for that? That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Uh, Pastor Humberto Pizarro, he is a, a man that is on fire for God. This week he was uh, here. He's leading a, uh, an evangelistic movement from Springfield called Seek and Save. And we had a meeting here uh, on Thursday. And pastors came together and he led that meeting just for an event in July. And I'm like, hey, Humberto is here. I got to have him come and speak on Sunday. I text him. I said, hey, you want to stay for Sunday? He says, I'm honored. So honored to have him here. Help me welcome him with a hand clap. Pastor... Bert Pizarro. Thank you. Good morning, Elohim. Good morning. I am so excited to the point of being overwhelmed. I remember as Pastor Carlos was saying, and it's so good to see him and his wife, his family. Um, God has been good. I sat over there in January 18th, 1998, close to 25 years ago. Um, I did give my life to Christ at the age of 11 years old in Far Rockaway. I still remember, amen, amen. I remember when uh, El Hermano Reverendo Orona was preaching. And I didn't want to go to church that Sunday night. I wanted to stay home, and I think I wanted to watch Knight Rider. If you guys remember the 80s, <laughs> there was those sitcoms, and it was on Sunday night. And back then, we had church on Sunday night. And I remember what, we, what I did was I sat in the back with all the rebels in the back that didn't want to be there. But that night he started to preach the gospel and my heart was pierced. And I remember when I came to the front and he was saying the prayer of salvation, he put his hand on me. Back then all I could understand was that I felt the fuzzies inside. Something changed inside of me. As I grew in my faith, I understood it was the filling of the Holy Spirit. I remember the next day, and I was walking to school every day already since kindergarten, and I was now in sixth grade, and I remember that morning everything was different, because when I looked up to the trees, the trees looked different, the sky looked different, the birds sounded different. I didn't know what happened that day at the age of six, I mean sixth grade when I was 11 years old, 
Later on in my faith, I knew I was born again. Unfortunately, in my home, there wasn't, uh, my mom didn't drive, and she was the only one that would come to church. And back then, my dad had a real rough life. He grew up as an orphan in Colombia, and he had his situations with God. So she was the only one that drove. So I didn't know what it was to go to a youth group. I didn't know what it was like to come to a strong youth group and, and have that faith discipled. And living in the streets of New York City, and I'm glad to be back and seeing the hustle of New York City. Um, I fell away at the age of 14, and I fell away very far from God. And I remember that my mom would always say, ¿Tú crees que tú eres un loco? Siempre hay un loco más loco que tú. <laughs> and I found my crazy one. And that brought me back, and, and we did some things that we shouldn't have done. But eventually, it brought me back, that God was calling me back home. And she invited me because it was her wedding anniversary. And I, was, I wasn't living at home at the time, and she came early that Sunday morning. She goes, it'll be a gift for me and my dad if you can come and have lunch with us, but go to church with us first. Little she, did she know I was already reading and opening the Bible. I was already trying to seek the Lord, and I was asking for forgiveness. I used to work in Bloomingdale's, and I remember at one time in Bloomingdale's during my lunch break, I ran out to a Catholic church and repented and gave my life to Christ. And I said, God, if you will help me, I will live for you. But little do you know that, you know, I needed that, what the Bible says, where there's two or three witnesses, everything is established in heaven and in earth. And I needed to come to a church publicly and give my life to Christ. I knew what it was. I, knew, I was just waiting for, back then, the pastor, Hector del Valle, just to do the altar call so I can come right literally here. These steps were, there were steps right over here. And right over here, I gave my life to Christ almost 25 years ago. And I remember I stayed there. And I don't think anybody in the church expected me to stay there so long. I stayed there about 20 minutes just crying and crying and crying and the beginning of purification in my life. And ever since that day, I have not looked back. Ever since that day, it's been a new talk, a new walk, a new way of living for Jesus. And there's so many more stories, but it's a joy for me this morning. And I honor Pastor Carlos because right over there at this place, I would start coming to church and I would just, I remember there were some Sundays, heaven will open up and you would just feel the presence of the Lord so strong. And there was this opportunity and back then I was still, and, and I'll say this frankly, I was living in sin. You know, I was very raw in the things of the Lord, but I wanted Jesus. I wasn't trying to look back anymore. And during that time, there was this program that was actually taking young men and women and just forming them and discipling them. And I went and asked counsel from several people, but I want to honor your pastor this morning. And I remember telling him, and I, we sat somewhere here in this, in somewhere in the building, I don't remember where. And I said, um, what do you think about this program? He goes, look, I can't tell you much about the program, but I could tell you this. You're living in sin. You're living with a girl. And I think the best thing that you can do is this program will give you a way out of that route. He confronted me. He spoke truth to me in love. And not knowing that that was going to be a catalyst of the destiny that God had for me. So I honor you, Pastor. I honor you, Pastor Carlo Medina. So it's a joy for me to be here. You have a good pastor. You have a pastor that has been faithful and consistent from when I knew him 25 years ago and before that. He's still the same guy. All about Jesus. All about his family, Elohim. So if it's 300, 500 today, 700, and God brings it to 7,000, he will still be the same man. Amen? So we give God for glory for him and his wife as servants of the Lord like that. 
So I'm going to do my best to actually share what God has put in my heart this morning. I've been an ordained minister of the Assemblies of God already for over 10 years. I'm happily married for 17 years. You can see my family really quick, and I think they're going to put up a PowerPoint behind me. I have two children right there, my daughter. Um, that's my family right there. That's Evolette. She's my oldest. That's Noah. He's my youngest. That's my beautiful wife, Soaris. Soaris Reyes. And if you can go to the next slide, we can't forget our, our two dogs, Sachipapa and Bruno. That's a father and son right there. And, and we recently just moved from Puerto Rico. We moved over to, um, to Missouri, and he saw snow for the first time. And if a dog ever wanted to talk, I'm telling you, I almost saw Bruno talk to me. <laughs> he never saw snow, and, 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 and they're a father and son. And I'm, I'm really a, a city kid. I was born in Brooklyn, and I lived some of my life in Queens. And then um, the Lord took me down to South Carolina. And South Carolina is where he really started to deposit into me the call of God and the ministry of God. Through that journey, um, I met my wife in the Carolinas. And I went to actually pursue her because she comes from a very good, wholesome family. And I couldn't just, she couldn't just leave her house saying, I met somebody in the States and I'm going to marry him. Mm, that wasn't going to work. It ain't going to work in my house either, amen? That ain't going to work with my girl either. And I went over to Puerto Rico and I said, I'm going to go there for two years and I'm going to transition and come back to the States. Always trying to come back to Queens. And little did I know I had a 17-year journey down there. In that journey, I did a lot of work um, in Haiti, a lot of work in Dominican Republic, and including Puerto Rico, which was my base. In 2013, the Lord asked me to plant a bilingual church. And I remember telling the Lord, Lord, there's a lot of good churches in Puerto Rico. You don't need another church in Puerto Rico. I can be a strong second and still stay what I'm doing in, in missions. Nevertheless, when you want to serve God, you have to obey him. And we planted a church called Connected Life, which is a bilingual, multi-ethnic church in El Corazón de Puerto Rico, ahí mismo, Nato Rey. And it was to elevate Jesus, connect people to one another, and to serve our island. And for the glory of God, in 2017, I understood more why he asked me to, and you can go to the next slide, a little bit. Um, God, we inherited that building. That's the fellowship right over there. And, 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 and then you can go to the next slide. That was the day that we actually inaugurated the building in 2021 because we were a portable church for a long time. And we would have to set up and tear down for years. And as we grew, we had to move to different places. And God finally took, a to, took us to a home. And I remember in 2017, you guys all know this, we suffered a great loss in Puerto Rico. We had the worst um, um, hurricane, um, Maria, Huracan Maria. And little did I know our, our role was going to be so significant to the point that we worked over 1 million out volunteer hours. We had about 3,000 people come over from South America and also America. And Connected Life was the channel to help the Assemblies of God. Through that situation, a good friend of mine, Pastor Choco de Jesus, he was an executive presbyter. He started coming in and out of Puerto Rico, and he just wanted to check up on me because he saw the operations that we were running and how much things were happening. And he would come and check up on me, and little did I know it was putting me on his radar for an assignment. And then in, in June of 2022, he calls me on a Friday night and he says, hey, Bert, I'm doing something in America. And he goes, um, do you know about it? And I said, sir, I don't. I'm just on my lane. I'm really focused here. Things are great happening in the church. And he goes, well, I want you to really think about coming in and helping me with something called Seek and Save. And I said, wow, what an honor. And really, I'm going to tell you what really went through my mind. I said, there's no way I'm moving back. <laughs> and especially to Missouri. And I said, you know what I'm going to do, Pastor? And I did the cliche thing. I'm going to pray about it. But I was I ain't praying. And then <laughs> and I'm going to pray about it. I already knew. Monday, I'll just give him the call. Pastor, thank you, but no thank you. You know? 
and, and then my, on Saturday, you know, and then me and my wife said, you know what, let's watch the movie we were going to watch. And then the wife comes around and we thank God for them. And it was on a Saturday morning. She says, you know, you should pursue that. Because if it's God, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. If it's not God, it's going to fall. And um, we moved from the palm trees to the cornfields <laughs> about a year ago. And it was definitely the will of God. And we have an assignment now called Seek and Save. And together with the general treasurer, and I'll show you some of the things that we're doing. We've been to already 11 cities in these past year. If you can go to the next slide, here are some of the stats of what God is doing around the, the nation. Um, we have 4,926 engagements. 3,260 people have received prayer. 2,507 people have received salvation. 152 baptisms. Nine, 19 children have been found. And literally, you just find them as you seek them. And this is most of these children are either runaways or they've been human trafficked. Um, 15 churches we have revitalized. We did a lot of construction work. One mission home. We were able to plant one church in Aurora and 3,670 volunteers. And we go to the next slide. And I'll give you a little bit more stats. But together with Convoy of Hope, we've been able to distribute 55,700 groceries. All for the glory of God. Amen. And in 2024, we are moving because I want to tell you, Elohim, and I know you know this, and I celebrate the church and the vision of the pastors and the board of what I saw, what you continually do to continually do outreach because we're running out of time. We're literally running out of time. The Bible is very clear and it has many prophecies. Out of all the prophecies, they say there's over 2,400 prophecies Scholars say that already 2,000 of them have been fulfilled. And I want to let you know that each and every single one of you have been created for a purpose. Every single one of you. To complete a mission. To run a race. And to finish the race of life's and destiny. Hebrews 12.1 says, so let us run this race that is before us and never give up. And I'll say it again. Let you run the race that is set before you and never give up. The scripture says in Ephesians 2.10, and they're going to follow me right behind. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Think about that for a second. The Bible says in another translation that you are God's masterpiece. That literally God painted and designed and put talents and put abilities in you and made you grow up in Queens or, or in Brooklyn or wherever for a specific reason. So that you can do good. And the amazing thing is that it's all written beforehand. That you can do good in the name of Jesus. Our God in his wisdom and also in his might. He has planted you strategically to run a race. To complete a mission. Look what the book of Acts says according to uh, Acts 17.26. If you can put that scripture up for me. It says God began by making one person. And from him came all the different people who live everywhere in the world. God decided exactly when and where they must live. God has decided this. I'm living in Missouri because God has decided that for me. But you're living here for a certain reason. And if we keep reading, it says God wanted them to look for him and perhaps search all around for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. There's a plan. There's a reason that you may be African-American. There's a reason that you're brown. There's a reason that you're white. God is a God of strategy. God is a God who has an order. God is a God who's after humanity that is connected. 
If the Bible can say something from Genesis to Revelation, it's to return to me. He is consistently saying, return to me. As the song that we sang this morning, overwhelmed before we were formed, he's singing over us. That is the God that we serve. That is the God who is the same today, yesterday, and forever. So we have a race to run. And I love a movie, a fictional movie. It's called Forrest Gump. I love that movie. And now you can kind of know our age a little bit more. See, and there was one thing that Forrest did throughout the entire movie. And young person, if you haven't watched it, you better watch it. It's a real classic. Okay? There's one thing he does in the entire movie. Forrest runs. And I don't mean to say this in any negative way, but Forrest era un bobito. He was a little bit slow, right? Bendito, el bobito Forrest. But that bobito saw more things in the fictional movie than many of us have seen. He met with the president. He ran a multi-million dollar company. He fell in love. He had a child. But one thing he did not do throughout the whole movie was run. He constantly was running. I want you to see this little clip that we made. Here we go. Get you. Jenny was screaming to him, Forrest, run! Jesus is echoing to you this morning to run the race that is set out and marked out before you. And that when it gets difficult to look at him who endured the cross to have his family back. And if I can tell you that is that God loves the world and he loves people. He specifically loves the loss. Look what 2 Peter 3.9 says. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. What is the promise? That he's coming back for his church. As some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any 
should perish. And specifically, the any part is important in the Bible because some people talk about there's election. The scripture there says any to perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I remember serving different men of God in my life, and they would pour this into my life until I had my own revelation. It was when I moved to Puerto Rico and I was visiting my, my girlfriend back then. Today, she's my wife. And every Sunday after church, we would go and have dinner with her family. And the mom would cook and the parents and we would talk and they would get to know me more. But this specific Sunday, I remember I went up and I went up the stairs and he, was, he, he, he had his job, but he also sembraba. He had a lot of different plantains and different trees. And that morning, I saw un racimo. I saw this beautiful racimo de plátano right there, a whole bunch of plantains. And I said, esta mañana la doña me va a cocinar mofongo. I was like, I was happy. I was like, mm, voy a comer mofonguito and all mayo ketchup. And you know what happened? I got sent home. And I was shocked because something happened. There was an emergency. Me dio un pan, cafe. She goes, you got to go back to San Juan. And I said, okay. Next Sunday, the same routine. I come back and I see the platanos in the same place. The only thing was, it was all week. The sun was over them. The rain was over them. The birds, the changuito, they were picking on them. And at the same time, there was a bunch of ants. And I walked by and I said, what a waste of good platanos. And as I walked about eight more steps... The Holy Spirit arrested my life. And he said, in the same way that that was a waste, he said, but I didn't just call you to Puerto Rico to get married. And I saw a vision and I saw a humongous hand and I saw people leaving his hands. And he said, I have called you to reach them. People are perishing. And it was a strong revelation that has shooken me to this day. The Bible says that we need a perspective to win souls. And this morning in the next 20 minutes, if I can just share this with you, may you continually have a perspective, a new perspective to reach the loss. Jesus revealed two truths that determine our, our eternal experience. If you read from Matthew to, to, to Luke, there are true truths that the, Jesus always spoke about. What you believe determines your eternal destination. What you believe in your heart and in your mind determines your, your eternal destination. So that means if you believe in Jesus, that he is the only way to the Father, the Bible says you will go to heaven, to paradise with him. Your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. But if you believe in Buddha, if you believe there's many roads to God, if you believe there is no God, if you believe in humanism, Scripture says out of the words of Jesus, your eternal, your tr there, um, what you believe determines your terminal destination. But there was a constant other truth or theme that Jesus spoke about. Your behavior and actions. I'm going to put it like this, what you do and how you behave. And specifically how you behave is more of your conduct determines how you spend eternity. When I came early in my faith, I thought I'm going to go to heaven. And I thought heaven was a pina colada and a hammock all eternity. That's what I thought. I said, I made it. Little did I know, the more that you get into the scriptures and the more you begin to know who God is and he reveals his grace to you, he's a God on the move all the time. The Bible says that you will govern. That's what the scripture says. You and me will govern nations with him. For me, governing or leading involves some sort of work. And it's according. So look, if you give me a few minutes, look what the scripture says. Okay? It says in Matthew 16, 27, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels. I'm going to take a pause right there. Did you know that Mark Wahlberg, wherever he goes has an entourage of 42 people. 
Did you know that Jennifer Lopez, wherever she travels, she has an entourage of like 93 people? Yesterday, it came out that Taylor Swift's is the most lucrative event or tour in history. Over $1 billion she generated last year. Did you know that her entourage, wherever she shows up, is, a, is about 200 people? Why am I sharing that? Because Jesus is coming with his entourage too. Let's read that again. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels. He's coming with his entourage. And then he will reward each according to his works. Reaching people will reward you. Your life now is directly impacting what will happen to you after you die. Let me go a little bit further. Jesus says in Matthew 19, 21, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Let me go to Matthew 19, 21. It says, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. So the scripture says, out of the words of Jesus, you shall be rewarded. Now, why do I share this? It's not that I want to have bling in heaven. And it's not that I want you to have bling in heaven. The scripture says that in, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 6, that right now the angels and the seraphims are singing so loud of the holiness of God that the doorposts of heaven are shaking. Think about that. Think about that. This is perfection. This is heaven I has not seen. And the scripture is telling us what is going on in heaven that the glory of God is so significant, so majestic, so broad that the angels are singing that the doorposts Heaven is shaking because when they see him. So basically, when you and me come before God and we come with the rewards that he's given us, they are objects of our worship to him at the end of the day. So when the book of the, the Bible says in the book of Revelations, it says the 24 elders, they gather together and they cry, holy, holy, holy. They take off their crowns and they worship him. They take off the, what they lived on earth and for and, and a final act of worship that is perpetual in heaven. They say, I give it all back to you. So you rewarded me for my life here on earth. I want to give it to you as worship for eternity. Oh, glory to God, somebody. Glory to God. Let me give it to you another way. Can you put the, 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 the slide of, uh, of the dot and the arrow, please? So back then when my son was like maybe in second, third grade, we were going through English and math, and he was learning about the period. And I had to tell him what the period is. The period means a stop, a final. He needed to get that. So when you want to finish a sentence, you put a period, and then you start something new. But in math and science, and we know that the line is what? It's infinite. The line goes on forever and ever. See, you and me, we are born and raised here. You and me, we live and do everything. We travel, we study, we save our finances, we buy our homes, we buy a second home. Everything is done in the dot because there is an end. But the way that you live in the dot determines how you will spend 
eternity forever and ever and ever. The way that you serve God, not only with the righteousness and holiness, but with a burden, time is running out. With a burden, I have an assignment. It's not my will to be done, but it's his will to be done. Lord, take me where you want to take me. And then when he serves you, notice, are you willing to go? Oh, come on, somebody. I know this ain't a Baptist church. I know this is a Pentecostal church. You can talk back to me. I like that. So Jesus' teaching shows that what happens inside the dot determines everything that happens on the line. I have a question for you. Are you living for the line? Or are you living for the dot? So when I got this truth, because I need to be refreshed on this sometimes myself, it shook me. And when I got this truth and this revelation that I have to run the race before me, the Holy Spirit took me to the ants. <laughs> Comical, right? He just knows how to make you stay low before him all the time. And he took me to Proverbs 6. And they're going to put it behind me. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pants, pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. This is Bible that I'm talking about. This is in Proverbs. Not only do I think this is a natural principle. Not only do I think that if you apply diligence and work, the scripture says that you will prosper. But I also think that this is prophetic in the sense of what you can come before God. In the way that you move and always resting in the Lord. Believe me, I know what that is. Grace and God knows how to do. God doesn't need me. But at the same time, I understand the dichotomy and the tension to live for him. Because it's only one life. I'm only going to be strong for a season. And who am I going to give it to? My wants? Or his wants? So I went quickly... When I understood about the revelation of the ants, I started to study the ants. And I'm going to give you three facts, and then you guys can have a great Sunday morning. Amen? Amen. The first fact is, did you know that the ant lives 45 to 60 days? In Puerto Rico, yo me puse loco when I went to Puerto Rico. Porque en Puerto Rico, las hormigas están por todos lados. And my wife had to teach me, todo se pone en la nevera, todo se pone en la nevera. La mantequilla, el pan, everything. Buena, la hormiga van a llegar a la... So if you lived anywhere in a warm country, in the tropics, you understand me. If you live in here in New York, no, they die in the winter. <laughs> when I found out that the ant only lives for 45 or 60 days, I will see when I'll be like, you got 18 days. Come, come. <laughs> but what's interesting is the scripture says that our time on earth is short. It's like this morning when you put the coffee and you saw the smoke and the steam coming out of the coffee. You went to another room. You came back. You can smell it, but the vapor's gone. The vapor was just at that moment. The Bible says that is your life. It's that fast. The second fact of the, of the, 
of the ant is that it can carry 20 times their body weight. I remember seeing an ant arrastrando un dorito por la loseta. I was like, my goodness, how can this be? It's just carrying that dorito through. Because God has designed it to have the capacity to carry more. The scripture says this. You can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives you strength. Let me say that again. So when you want to quit, when you want to tell the pastor, I can't do that no more. When you want to say this is a little bit too much, the scripture says he can give you what? All the strength that you need and you can do everything through Christ Jesus. Just don't give up. Because if you give up, he can't deliver you. If you give up, he can't move the way he moves in his grace. But I think the last fact is the most interesting one. And if you can get ready for the second video, it's the unity of the ants. It's remarkable what they can do. Can you put that slide on? I mean, that, that video on? The next stage of the investigation was to find out what one of these subterranean cities looked like. The amount of cement required is extraordinary. For three days they kept pouring until 10 tons of cement had disappeared down the tubes. After a month, they begin the excavation, led by Professor Louise Forci. It takes weeks to uncover the secret megalopolis of the ants. With the help of mechanical diggers, the scientists remove tons of earth. At last, they begin to see the structure of the city-state. There are subterranean highways connecting the main chambers, and off the main routes are side roads. The paths branch and lead to many fungus gardens and rubbish pits. The tunnels are designed to ensure good ventilation and provide the shortest transport routes. Everything looks like it has been designed by an architect, a single mind. But of course that isn't true. This colossal and complex city was created by the collective will of the ant colony, the superorganism. The structure covers 50 square meters and goes 8 meters into the earth. In its construction, the colony moved 40 tons of soil. Billions of ant loads of soil were brought to the surface. Each load weighed four times as much as the worker and in human terms was carried a kilometer to the surface. 
It is the equivalent of building the Great Wall of China. It is truly a wonder of the world. The scripture says you are made in the image of God. The ant is not made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. That's why there's such a fight for unity. Jesus prayed it. It was his last prayer. One of his last final prayers. He says, I pray that they will be one just like you and me are, Father. And then the world would know that you sent me. I'm not saying that Elohim is not united. I'm not saying that. I don't know that. What I'm saying is the stronger of unity that you get, the more biblically you can do for Jesus. The time is short, friends. And this morning, I want to just make a quick call because soon we're going to have people coming in from another, for the second service. My first call is, Friend, I don't know what you've been believing. I don't know how long you've been sitting there. I don't know what conversations you have with your friends. But it is clear when you know God. There's no ifs. There's, there's just, you're not. Either you're in or you're out. It's that simple. And there's two types of people. There are found people and lost people. And there are two things that are certain. Eternity. Eternity is certain. And either you're going to arrive at eternity or you're not going to arrive at eternity because the choice is yours. I don't know how many times you've passed this message. I don't know how, how hard this may be for you this morning and saying, I've been coming to church. I've been here all the time, but I have to be genuine. I'm not with the crew that is actually found. I'm actually really lost. But the good thing is that you came here this morning because just like I came right over there, and I just waited for the altar call. And I came and responded. My life changed forever and ever and ever. And now I have really, it's a privilege, it's an honor. I'm not worthy of it to travel. My mission field no longer is, is Puerto Rico. My mission field is America. Can you believe that? Un sople moco de queens. To God be the glory. If that's you, friend few moments I'm going to ask you to really be bold and stand and to radically give your heart to God no more no more playing games no more patty caking with Jesus you have an assignment you have a purpose you're breathing and you're living and this goes from the youngest to the oldest that's hearing me and then I'm going to do a second call the second call is if you know you've just been like mm, I'm living more for the dot I'm living more for the dot I want to pray for you and let God release the anointing that is coming upon the national office we are conscious that time is running out
Would you stand? And I do this out of honor just for you. Would you close your eyes? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that it blesses and encourages your life.